This is CliffCentral.com. All right, let's uh, go to Rich Mulholland. Is, is Rich a uh, millennial? I don't think so. Is Rich a millennial or a very serious Gen, Gen Xer? Uh, let's find out. Here he is. Good morning, Rich. Top of the morning to you. Are you a millennial? I am am a millennial. You am am. I am 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 a millennial. I'm, I'm a millennial. Don't you hate that word though? Because I've never met anyone who wants to listen be that. For f- oh, you pissed me off so much because I had I had such a nice little positive thing prepared for today. I was going to start getting towards ending the year on a high. I prepared this good stuff, and then the rage built up in me that hold on oh, this rage has been bubbling up inside me listening to that whole hilarious segment that now i don't want to talk about my stuff anymore i want to talk about this generation theory rubbish yes tell me about it because marketers love it marketers okay. these people who they're always the dumbest people in the company they sit there because they usually you know you, what, what is marketing you know i got a degree in marketing <laughs> 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 what is marketing? That's usually where you put the, that's a sheltered employment. It's a business that sells advertising no, to no, But dude, come on. <laughs> let me ask you something. Have you, you, you meet the CFO, right? The CFO of a company, he does the numbers. He's a numbers right. guy. He knows there are certain rules. A good CFO is one who sticks to the rules, one who delivers the numbers. That's all you need from a CFO. Marketing people, you've got a much wider scope by which to judge them. So you don't know whether they're good or bad at their job. And you meet some of these marketing people in these big corporations. You don't know whether they know what they're doing or whether they were just given marketing because they've been there such a long time they didn't know what else to do with them. Right. So the two, for me, there are two very different kinds of marketers that exist in the world today. The old school marketer is the marketer that um, almost gets a seat on the table. They're a standalone department and they measure the success based on awards, industry awards they've won. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, need, they need to die. They don't have a seat on the table anymore. The new marketer, the smart marketer, is the one that is measured. The smart marketer doesn't have a seat on the big table because they work under the CIO, the chief information officer, and they run their job from a dashboard, a dashboard of analytics and data. That is the future of marketing, right? The future marketers, the top marketers in the world will be controlling their marketing input using a dashboard. They'll be looking at analytics, at data. They'll be wondering about how a customer journey map is affected and they'll be able to measure in real time based on inputs that they're getting. That to me is an exciting new world of marketing. But uh, these old marketers, uh, you know, at Missing Link, we've always had a no awards policy. This absolute, I mean, it's, it's to me a despicable, we're getting our clients to fund our own, our own, gener- uh, our own development. Ah, Terrible. All right, so but tell me, what's your problem with theory? What, yeah, what's your problem with generation theory? So generation theory is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my life when used in real time, right? So generation theory was never designed around this. What happened, and I, I speak about this quite a bit, but what happened was, uh, let's take where, where we kind of go back towards, and for the most part, uh, generation theory generally originally started with baby boomers as a concept. We have retrofitted before and we've retrofitted afterwards. So baby boomers were very easy to see because uh, people came back from war. They'd all hadn't had sex in ages. So they came back from war and they shagged like uh, they were, you know, like rabbits, like it was going out of business. Yeah, like rabbits, like they were banging all over the place. And oh. Oh. Banging so hard we oh, lost Rich. good notes. Jeez, he's upset. We've got to get him back. <laughs> Amanda, you work on getting Rich back? We've lost him somewhere. 
Oh, there she is. She's running around. Okay. I don't know what happened. Skype, sometimes it's really reliable. Sometimes it sounds terrible. I don't know what Rich has got going on there. Just see if you can get him back and let me know when you got him. Banging like rabbits. Yeah. All right. Is he there? Hey, Rich. We lost yow, you. We're back. Yow, yow. All right, cool. So you were saying so right. baby boomers are banging like rabbits? Okay, so then you have kids getting born nine months later. Everything is fantastic, but they're born into this poor, these poor households because the parents are back from war. They're rebuilding nations. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason to understand why this generation behaved in a certain way. They were born at the same time into the same socioeconomic circumstances. So, of course, they would have been brought up frugal and living a certain way. 20 years later, the first kind of they started having kids again themselves. And this was the first generation of people that were actually, uh, you know, born into some degree of, of luxury. You know, the, the nations had been rebuilt and things were happening. And then what happened is generation theory took a dive because nobody else carried on shagging on the schedule. Right. It turns out that people just bang whenever they want to and have kids whenever they want to. There is no generation born in a specific period. And with the rapid rate of technological change, because all generation theory is, is basically youthful angst, right? Youths believing they're going to change the world, Mm -hmm. uh, intersecting with current technology and zeitgeist. Right. So whenever we have uh, all all youths, every youth that thinks they're an activist in changing the world, that's all 18 to 25 year olds. Right, that that's part of the standard of life. We are expecting you, when you go to college age, to believe that your parents are wrong, to rebel, and to try and to change the world. The only thing that makes it slightly different is the t- technology and zeitgeist of the time, what, what kind of where we are we're at. And we think this makes us unique. It doesn't. It makes us bang smack the same as everybody else. Ultimately, we'll all have jobs. They'll all settle down. They'll all get married. They'll all have kids in the same way about the same stuff again. Uh, and there will always be extreme groups there. And this is the most useless, unhelpful labeling. And what's more important is that the youth themselves, like, I would be furious if somebody tried to throw me into a box that said that everything I'm doing and the way I'm thinking is is not because I'm an individual. It's because I happen to be born at a specific time. It's the most ridiculous, useless thing. Like if a marketer brings up, I want to speak to millennials in a meeting, like I laugh at them. I genuinely get angry. My dad is a millennial. I mean, it kind of goes to what that guy was saying earlier. My dad's attention span is less than it ever was. He reads shorter books. He said to me, like, uh, like my dad is addicted to Facebook. He's a 70-year-old. You know, he is as much of a millennial today as, as average millennials. He's angry about the same stuff he reads about in his social media. He's affected by all the same stuff we are. This has got nothing to do with your age. It's got nothing to do with you being born at a certain period of time. It's to do with the what's happening in the world today and how it affects you. All right. Now, what did you want to talk about? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, you know, I've got to stop throwing. I've got to stop throwing you curveballs. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna say, Rich, what's in your mind? And then you're gonna go into it. I'm not gonna lead into anything. Otherwise, it distracts everyone. I know, but I love the distraction. It's very fun. All right, go All ahead. Right. So let's talk about – do you remember when you were a kid, like you were driving along the, the, the road uh, and if the windows were open and you would drive past a tree, if you were driving like a road with lots of trees and you hear this like whoop, whoop, as you drive past them. Yeah. And if there's more trees, you'd hear that noise faster. Like, whoop, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was chatting to somebody the other day and they were talking about how, you know, how fast the years are going by the older they get. And the one argument is that it's because we get older as a percentage of our total life, 
you know, I'm 43, so this year was one forty-third of my life, but my daughter is 10. This year was a tenth of her life. So, mm-hmm. so yes, on that on that side, as yeah. a, you can see why it's faster. But I think it's got more to do with the amount of stuff we've got going on. The if you were driving along this road at 100 k's an hour and there was one tree every you know 100 meters, it would sound like you were going quite slowly. But if there were, you know, three trees every 100 meters, it'd be like, whoop, whoop, whoop. but if there were 10 trees every 100 meters, it would be suddenly, whoop, 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 whoop. it would be super fast. Mm-hmm. And I think what the problem we have is we just have too much stuff going on. So things feel like they're going faster because, you know, there's just so much going on. Like you and I. Oh, no. Uh, say that again. Sorry, you guys. Hello. Yeah, we're back. Right. So, so we. We have said for a few years now that one day we're going to get together and we're going to play board games. And it's not that we're not, we, we're not, you know, we don't want to do it. It's just that there's so much stuff going on because we have so many friends and so many people and so many things in our lives that mm-hmm. there's simply not enough nights or weekends to make that happen. Correct. And Jazz, I watched this documentary the other day and it was about decluttering your, your house and getting rid of stuff and things. And she's been on a mission. She's been clearing everything out and uh, getting rid of a whole bunch of things. And it's quite a cathartic experience. And I did the same a few months ago with board games, all these games I didn't play. I was getting anxiety that I had so much stuff in my mind, so much stuff that I could choose from that I actually wasn't wanting to play. And I realized that we've got to deal with people and things and stuff with this principle of not more, but less to the power of more. We've got to try to do less things and have less people in our lives and, and have more quality with all of the things that we do have. And I realized that I guess it's more of a challenge and a call to action for people to think about over the holidays is, and you know, we go away and we start thinking of all the things you want to do next year. You know, what am I going to do differently? What am I going to, uh, uh, you know, what am I going to change and all these things? And actually what I'd like to challenge people to do is to get a little notebook and to write a to don't list and to, to start thinking about over the holidays what you want to stop doing next year. And the idea being that instead of starting new things and, and adding new trees to the road uh, right. to make it, everything more chaotic and to divide your time even more, is to try and put up a to-don't list or a to-stop list and actually make the holidays about thinking about things you're going to do less next year. Because if you're doing less, you actually have more time for the cool stuff you are going to be doing. And it was it. that kind of idea I wanted to leave with people. Have less, do less. All of those things. A to-don't list. Have you already thought of one or two things that you want to put on your to-don't list? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I've got uh, lots of things. So I certainly don't want to be uh, buying uh, more games, or, uh, as many games. <laughs> I want to exist with the ones that I have. I'm, uh, honestly, it's like an obsession for me, so that's that's a bit bad. Uh, but there's a, there's a lot of things that I'm thinking about. In terms of I have too many business ideas that I want to start and run, and I want to not launch any of those. I want to only focus on the ones you're working on now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot. Uh, distraction gets in the way. Ideas are 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 everywhere, and you, and for me, distraction kind of dilutes effort. You've got to be really careful though, because your to don't list can very quickly turn into a to do list. You know, you, you you start looking at things. Oh well, I need less of that in my life, but that becomes a to do. Like you now have to go and actually throw the things away or whatever it is. So you gotta you gotta look after kind of the stuff that you can immediately change, and some of it's probably psychological too, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Look, I think that, I mean, again, for me, by saying, uh, you know, don't buy new games, play the ones you have, there's both a to do and a to don't in, in there, yeah. in there as well. But it's the idea of that 
everything for me had been about, you know, I got involved in, and I'm going to just use this hobby as a thing. I got involved in this hobby and it's the idea that I need to have more. I need to have more. And I think yeah. more is, is wrong. More is the mindset, you know, growth for the sake of growth is the mindset of the cancer cell. It's the same in, in my business. You know, we all talk about how our businesses have to grow. It's amazing. I was chatting to somebody the other day about, um, the guy from MySpace, and they were laughing at like that guy. You know what a failure! <laughs> Imagine being the MySpace guy who failed so badly. I mean, that MySpace guy sold for like five billion dollars. Yeah, he's not. A, he's no failure. Yeah, and he's retired the world. He's taking photographs. He's apparently got one of the most interesting Instagram accounts. <laughs> but you know, he got, he. We, we see that as a failure when other people are working themselves to death, trying to make far more than they ab- absolutely need. And I don't want to be on this pursuit of more my whole life. Like I, I want to have uh, some degree of contentment and acceptance. Like I feel like I have uh, like enough stuff. I live a phenomenal life and I don't understand why I'm supposed to work much harder than I'm working now in order to do even better than I'm doing to pay for more than I require. That is probably the most powerful thing that that i've learned in the last little while too and i don't know that i always internalize it or that i always get it right to remind myself but that's a major step when you actually go wow in that respect in some part of your life i have enough it's yeah, great I, maybe that's an amazing maybe that's a better way of doing it maybe yeah. we we create an enough list and you just go yeah. around your house and you say i have enough of yeah you know and right now the truth is you know i have enough friendships and so the friendships, for example, I'm sure I'll meet new people next year and it'll be amazing. But, but then, you know, maybe I should, maybe there's some friend. Conserve the ones that, that you that really care be. about. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it's, yeah. I think of it like you go up to the Christmas table, right? And we're all going to eat this Christmas. So you go up to the Christmas table and there's so much food and your stomach is only so big. And you could have more food. There could be an even bigger table or there could be a, a, a slightly less uh, gargantuan table because I don't know how big your Christmas is at the Mulholland house. But you go up to the table. You can only go back so many times before you're full. Yeah. I mean, our table is massive. Everybody ends up bringing, you know, everybody gets sent out a list of what they have to bring and everyone's bringing full meals. They're probably mm-hmm. enough to feed the table regardless. Correct. So <laughs> you can't eat all the stuff at the table. So you've got to go up and choose what makes you happy and be happy with that. Be satisfied. Learn to be satisfied. Yes. Be satisfied with enough. I think that's the, that's, that's the point. And, um, and define your enough on things. I think that would be a great start for everybody. Do you really think that, for example, um, someone like Mark Zuckerberg has a better, uh, holiday or festive season than you? I mean, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's so busy thinking about work the whole time that he never stops. Maybe he's such a, I mean, I don't like Zuckerberg, so I imagine that he's probably plotting the demise of his competitors or he's busy planning some way of getting more information out of us or whatever. I don't imagine he's going to have a better Christmas or New Year than I will. I really don't think so. No, no, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, but it's a problem is that we, we paint ourselves this picture that, that they would. I mean, I don't even think Zuckerberg would necessarily tell you that he thinks he's having a better Christmas. I mean, look at Warren Buffett. Mm. Warren Buffett almost certainly will spend Christmas in his uh, house, you know, the similar size house to what I have in Omaha, Nebraska, yes. on the street with no big wall, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, sitting with his family, doing nothing particularly ostentatious. You know, he'll have a very regular grandfather <laughs> Uh, you know, with his grandkids around for Christmas Day and will be perfectly content with it. <laughs> and he's a billionaire. 
Yes, for sure. But he understands that the uh, you know the value of the things that are important to him. He wants to read right. his newspaper every day. He wants to, yeah. you know, and for sure he's kind of cracked a bit of a code and he's generating. But for him now, enough is how much can I give away? I, I guess with Zuckerberg as well. I mean, they're all doing that. But uh, yeah. it's it's the idea that yeah, I want to get off that uh, treadmill of growth right. in everything in you know fancy crockery we have in our kitchen to games to whatever it may be we don't need to have more stuff if we have enough beautiful thank you rich cool. thanks guys <laughs> okay, man. have a thanks. good one there we go rich Mulholland. a reality check this is cliffcentral.com